Hey Bulls Nation, welcome back to another episode of the Rebuild the Bull podcast. As always, I'm your host, Matt Gentile, and I hope that everybody in the States had a happy, healthy, and safe Thanksgiving holiday. For the rest of you around the globe, I hope you've been healthy and safe as well. To feed off that theme of Thanksgiving, I'm very thankful for the Chicago Bulls right now because as a Chicago sports fan, it's been a little rough. Have a bad football team in the Bears, inactivity from the baseball teams in town in terms of trying to improve their situations, and meh, hockey's so-so in well, more ways than just stuff on the ice. You can read about that if you'd like. But the Bulls are giving me so much excitement right now, and it's been a lot of fun to see them come out of the gate right now. As we sit here on November 30th, they're 14-8. and eight with the second best record in the Eastern Conference. And this is where it gets really interesting, Bulls fans, because now the Bulls go from being this cute story to a team that has a target on their back. The rest of the Eastern Conference, the rest of the league, they see the Bulls as a serious threat, a serious opponent, game in and game out. And now, I think as Bulls fans, we're sort of changing our expectation level. At least I know I am. And with this recent stretch here, prior to last night's win against Charlotte, which I'll discuss a little later, they had lost three out of five games after coming home from their West Coast trip. So they come back, they beat the Knicks in a a tough back and forth. And in that game, I think we started to see some issues happen in the half court. I brought this up on the Bulls Gold podcast. Shout out to Salim Suterwala and Edward Schuler for having me on this past Sunday. But I pointed out that my concern is that the Bulls are struggling in their half-court offense. And I think the issues started to pop up against the Knicks, where we see that the lack of three-point shooting is causing some problems. And that, you know, when they start taking away some of those lanes to create off the dribble, it could be a little challenging. And that's why somebody like Vooch is so important. And then we've seen Vooch struggle during this stretch. So after that Knicks game, The Bulls lose to the Pacers. I kind of expected that. Second night of a back-to-back, you had tired legs. It happens. But then to lose to a team like the Houston Rockets, one of the worst teams, if not the worst team in the NBA, was inexcusable. And I, probably for the first time in a long time, felt really disappointed in this team because that was supposed to be their get-right game. And instead, they lose to the Rockets, and then come back Friday on the road in Orlando and win that game convincingly. But then the next game at home against the Miami Heat, Zach Levine struggles. Nikola Vucevic struggles. Again, half-court offense looked stagnant, especially when the Miami Heat threw zone at him. And I think during that stretch, the concerns that I had, you know, again, half-court offense was probably one of the biggest ones. But the other issue was, again, Nikola Vucevic. And even prior to covid Nikola Vucevic did seem to struggle finding his rhythm within this offense. You know, he's not taking bad shots. He's had wide open looks from three, easy attempts down low near the basket, and just hasn't made them. And I think part of it is just trying to get into the flow as the number three option. You know, when you have DeMar DeRozan and Nikola Vucevic who operate within the half court, it's trying to find that balance and trying to find where Vucevic can fit in. Vooch is coming from a situation where he was the number one guy in Orlando, literally by default. He comes to Chicago, 
He doesn't really have time to gel with Zach Levine. Zach Levine goes into COVID protocols, and he's still the number one option, even when he's here. Now you have to adjust to DeMar DeRozan. And it's going to take time, Bulls fans. What's encouraging is what you saw last night against the Charlotte Hornets is how good this team can be when you get Vooch in rhythm. Like, everything that could go right last night against Charlotte went right. And that is what the Bulls' ceiling can be. And man, it's pretty freaking fun to watch. I mean, you saw it all on display last night. Nikola Vucevic has his best game, I wouldn't even just say of the season. I think in his short Bulls career, this was his best game. 30 points, 14 rebounds, 5 assists, and was 6 of 6 from the three-point line. What you saw is when Vooch is in rhythm, you can break that zone coverage very easily because he's either going to be knocking down threes, getting easy looks down low, or finding guys that are wide open. That's why it's really important. Guys like Kobe White have to get going from three-point range or other guys got to step up. It's that simple. I do think at some point could end up adding shooting to this team, and that could also help break uh, some of this issue with the zone. Aside from three-point shooting, guys have to start cutting to the basket. Find those holes in the zone cut to the basket because someone like Vooch or DeMar DeRozan might be able to find you. But back to Nikola Vucevic and last night's performance. It was a pleasant sight to see him in a rhythm and playing his best basketball of the season. Of course, DeMar DeRozan, another big outing. Zach Levine with a non-COVID illness, fever. He looked tired. Still was able to put up 20 plus points last night and, and be very efficient from the field. This, I think, tells you a lot. Zach Levine is sick. Could easily have said, hey, I can't go. But Zach Levine, I think, knows what's at stake. He understands, one, it's a contract year, and two, this is a year to change the narrative, not only for him as a player and the perception of him around the league, but also for this franchise. He knows what's at stake. He knows that the team came off a rough stretch, and they have to get right. They have to have a big win. So he comes out there. He puts on a good performance. And then finally, Lonzo Ball, Man, he showed you the complete package defensively, scoring-wise, and doing his thing, running the point full court. It was everything you wanted last night as a Bulls fan. It was all on display for you. You know, you just hope that this could be the turning point where Nikola Vucevic starts to hit his stride, because when that happens, sky's the limit where this team can go. I mean, look at the Eastern Conference right now. We talked about this when I was on Bulls Gold, that... The Bulls right now could realistically play for one of the top three seeds because Milwaukee, Brooklyn are probably playing a load management style schedule the rest of the way. They're going to pick their spots. They're not concerned about having home court. A team like Chicago, I think, wants to get that home court advantage. They don't want to have to deal with the play-in tournament. So they're going to try their hardest to lock down a top seed. And it's very realistic that the Bulls could find themselves in one of those top four spots. So let's continue this conversation about last night's game, some of the upcoming games on the schedule, and the Bulls' current situation in the Eastern Conference with our guest, Drew Stevens. Drew writes about the Bulls and other Chicago sports at War Media and ONTAP Sportsnet. And he's been on this podcast before, so I'm really excited to talk with him. Drew, how are you? Welcome back. Hey, Matt. I'm doing pretty good, man. How are you? Uh, can't complain. I'm very, as I said to our listeners before you hopped on, I'm very thankful. Very thankful for 
what the Bulls have provided me because, man, it's appointment television again, and it's a lot of fun to watch Bulls basketball. Yeah, it, it really is, man. Um, I think you hit the, the nail on the head because I think before the season started, if you would have told Bulls fans that the Bulls would go one and three in a four-game stretch where they lose to Indiana, they lose to Houston, and lose to Miami, and a game later, they're still in the second place in Eastern Conference with a 14-8 and eight record. I think we'd all be pretty thankful and pretty happy for that. And I really think that the expectation level after these first 22 has, has changed. You know, it went from being a cute kind of story, a cute team. But I feel like now I feel disappointed after that stretch they had and... It's like the the goalposts have moved a little bit. Where are you at right now with the Chicago Bulls as a team? Are you kind of feeling the same way, or are you giving them a little more wiggle room? In terms of um, kind of my expectations, they are ahead of where I thought they'd be, kind of like most people, um, I presume. And I think I'm, it, it, it did make me a lot angrier that they had that uh, clunker against the Rockets. That's a game you have to get, man. Um, considering the Rockets had lost 15 in a row, the way, you know, national podcast and um, national media pundits were talking about the Rockets, that's a game you have to get. Um, I'm also angry that they weren't able to get one of those two against Philadelphia in that home and home earlier in the season. Um, I'm kind of willing to look past the Indiana game. They were coming off the, off the road. I think they had played um, the Knicks, the game before that, Caruso didn't play. Uh, no uh, Vucevic. So um, that one is a little bit easier to stomach, but I'm with you. I think that the goalposts have definitely moved because of the way that they've played. And I've gone from, you know, thinking that the ceiling for this team could be maybe a fourth seed and hosting a, a first round playoff series to maybe. You know, I think there's a world where maybe they can sneak into the third spot. Nobody in the Eastern Conference really scares me much. We still haven't played Atlanta yet, but they're struggling. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, you know, we just we just played the Heat. And Levine, he, he had to have had one of his worst games as a bull. I don't, I don't have the numbers to back that up, but just the eye test alone, um, he really had a, a, a really terrible uh, shooting night. Vucevic, of course, was was still in his struggles. So I think that's a team that we can beat. The Nets, we've already beat them. We got to see what we can do against them this this weekend uh, in Brooklyn. But the Bucks, the Bucks are the one where I'm kind of like, ooh, I don't I don't know about that. We might be, you know, a, a player or a trade or a move away from being in their league. But we'll see. Well, it's interesting. The Eastern Conference just feels so jumbled. I think there's a lot of good teams, but they're I don't really know how it's gonna shake out. The Bucks and Nets, I feel like they are head and shoulders talent wise, better than most of the teams in the Eastern Conference. And I do think they're they're better than the Bulls in terms of roster construction. But there's a good chance that they're playing with load management in mind. And, you know, they could be looking at I don't think they're looking at home court advantage as a must-have, where a team like the Bulls might and might actually try to grab one of those top three spots in the conference before we get to the playoffs. So it's just it's very intriguing to me to see what's going to happen the rest of the way in the Eastern Conference. You brought up 
Zach Levine's bad outing against the Miami Heat. And I think that game against the Heat kind of showed two things. One, the struggles in half-court offense. That's something we've seen, I think, since that Knicks game when they came back from the West Coast trip. I think the other thing we saw was, you know, how this team does struggle when Vooch is not in his rhythm. And I think it does affect half-court offense. The likelihood of you getting Zach and Vooch struggling at the same time is pretty rare. But I do think that Nikola Vucevic could be the straw that stirs the drink. Because as you saw last night against the Charlotte Hornets, when he's clicking on all cylinders, this team's ceiling is pretty scary. Vooch last night, 30 points, 14 rebounds, 5 assists, 6 of 6 from 3-point range. Really did a lot to help move the ball in the half-court set, finding guys for open threes and guys cutting to the basket. Do you think this could be a game that could spark Vooch, or do you need to see a little bit more from him before you start feeling a little more comfortable? Man, I think um, I need to see some more, because he's, he's had a couple other games where he's looked like himself or the player that we've come to expect him to to be. Uh, there was a game against, I think the first game in, against New York he played or shot the ball pretty well, and there was another game that I'm, um, I can't quite remember which one it was, but he's he's shown some flashes before. Now, granted, yesterday was like, you know, an explosion of Vucevic, man. Um, he almost had a split his, his shot attempts 50-50 between those in the paint and those on the perimeter, so that was good to see. But I, I need to see him be able to string some games together. And I think that um, you make a very good point in that if if he's going, if he's if he's able to get himself going, not necessarily with 30-point nights, but being able to be dependent on to get 17 to 21 points a night, that half-court offense or the concerns that a lot of people have about the half-court offense, I think that changes. Um, I don't think it's it's quite the mountain that, it appears to be right now because he's hitting shots. And as the hub of the half-court half court offense, the guy who's going to be in the mix with Levine and Ball and DeRozan, if he's hitting his shots, oh, my God, the offense just opens up so much more for everybody else. It's very interesting. Like We talked about the expectation level kind of changing with the way the Bulls have come out of the gate. And I think it even kind of changed our expectation for Vucevic, DeRozan, Levine, all these pieces coming together because when you get off to such a hot start, you think everything is is fine, everything's clicking. But really, Nikola Vucevic is adjusting to being a number three option. And you look at DeMar DeRozan, he does his best work in a half-court set. There is, I guess, like in a weird way, redundancy. It's not like, I get it, DeRozan's not a, a post-up player like Vuce is or, you know, Vuce can step out to three-point line. But DeRozan kind of operates in the mid-range as a driving to the basket, the mid-range game. In a way, there is a level of redundancy in the half court because it's kind of like you got to pick your spots of balancing out what Vooch does and what DeRozan does. I don't know if that makes sense to you, but I feel like there is a level of redundancy and it just takes time to get that going. Are we kind of maybe asking too much to kind of have all this fall into place so quickly? Probably so, probably so. But I think the the high start um, kind of added to it because we wanted everything to be, um, especially Vucevic, because he was like the the missing link. Um, even though they got off to such a great start, we want things to go so well and so quickly as as fans of this team and fans of this franchise, this proud franchise that has you know undergone a lot of change and um, losing seasons uh, here recently. 
And um, I, I just think that eventually it's, it's, it's gonna it's, it's going to resolve itself. I think Vucevic and DeRozan and Ball and Levine Caruso too. They are too smart a player, and Billy Donovan is too smart of a head coach not to be able to figure out how to best organize these guys in the half court and be able to get the kind of shots they want to get, no matter what defense uh, is being thrown their way. All right, so are you as surprised as I am at how good this team has been defensively coming out of the gate? Absolutely. <laughs> I really am. I really am. You know, being a, a tried-and-true Bulls fan, most of my attention for the last few years obviously has gone their way. So I've seen glimpses of Lonzo Ball. I've seen glimpses of Alex Caruso. But to see what these guys are able to do on a defensive end, especially together, uh, is is incredible. It's, it's even better than the picture that was painted when we got them. The Not even just the stats that those two guys are, are bringing um, to the box score, but the attitude and the the temperament and it's just been it's just been an infectious um kind of buy-in to what this team is going to be about they don't um rest on their laurels or the fact that they're supposed to be this um high high octane offense like they've come out and almost done the complete opposite they've they've kind of lived and died lived and um died by their their defense and their ability to get out on the fast break and push the tempo and run and get easy buckets and transition um so i'm definitely surprised by what they've been able to do on a defensive end and if nothing else um that gives me more optimism about how much better this team can get because i don't think that defense or that attitude is going anywhere like i think that's that's going to kind of hover at about where it is right now. I think they are, what are they, eighth in defensive rating right now. I don't I don't see them dropping um, too much from where they are right now. And even if they aren't able to get into the, you know, top three, top four, top five, like that's still um, pretty much all you can ask for when going into this season, we thought that the offense would be what would be carrying this team. If it were up to you right now, if I, I had you assume the role of Arturis Karnaschovas and Mark Eversley, what would be the one move that you'd want to make for this team? Do you think there's one thing that they're lacking that you think they need to kind of put them over the edge? Yes, and this is probably this might be boring for the listeners because I know this idea has been floated out before, but I think Harrison Barnes, man, if you're able to somehow ah. convince the Kings um, to take you know, Patrick Williams and maybe Derrick Jones Jr. Mm. Uh, in a trade for, for Barnes. I think this puts this team in a whole nother league. You get a, a better than starting quality power forward in Barnes, somebody that's um, right now putting up career highs and points, rebounds, and steals. He's, um, you know, shooting 48% from the field, pretty much a tick under 40% from three. 85% from the free throw line. Like, I think he takes this team to a different level. Um, you know, God bless Javante Green. But he, if they were able to get ball, he also kind of reshuffles the deck in the sense that guys are able to play more in their roles and be more of the utility guys that they're meant to be, um, especially in, in Javante Green and Derrick Jones Jr. and the Tony Bradleys of the world. Um, I think they all three of those guys – give something different, but they all um, bring a certain energy to the floor. But if Barnes is in the picture, 
you're not asking those guys to do more or kind of play out of their bodies the way that sometimes they've been asked to do this season with with the injuries to Patrick Williams and Vucevic going out with with COVID. So that's that's the one move I'm kind of looking at. And um, I know uh, Morton Jensen of, of Forbes yeah. wrote about it maybe a couple of weeks ago. And it was something that I was thinking about myself writing because of the, the hot start that it got out to. I was thinking in my mind that, man, I wonder if um, AK and Mark Eversley are looking at this and saying, you know what, we're getting off to a really hot start. The East is looking like it could be ours for the taking. Um, we need to jump on this yeah. quick, fast, in a hurry. And and that's not, you know, I don't – I'm not out on Patrick Williams, but I'm, I'm more in on going for – the throat while it's there for the taking, if that makes sense. This is amazing that you're bringing this up because I was just on the Bulls Gold podcast. Um, I mentioned that earlier with uh, Salim Sudawala and Edward Schuler, And this came up because Morton was on their podcast the previous week. And they talked about the, the trade idea that he had come up with involving Harrison Barnes. If the Kings do that deal, like, if they want Patrick Williams and Derek Jones Jr., like sign me up today. I will drop off Patrick Williams at O'Hare <laughs> Airport, and I will happily send a Rolls Royce to pick up Harrison Barnes. Because look, the thing with Harrison Barnes that people also don't realize, he like Nikola Vucevic has a de-escalating contract. He actually has a cap hit around twenty million this year, and then next year it's around eighteen point three million. So. He's a very enticing player who does solve your issue at power forward right now because you, you do have a void there, uh, you know, because he can play both the three and the four, and he spreads the floor. And we talk about, you know, trying to break that zone in the half court. How do you do it? You add shooters, and it, it solves two problems that you have right now. I, I love the, the idea of Patrick Williams and what he could be. I don't know what that ceiling quite is yet. I'm not completely sold that he's going to be the next Kawhi Leonard. I'm more in the camp he's going to be the next Luol Deng, and that's fine. But if I can get Harrison Barnes, who is already kind of in that camp and probably is a much better shooter than Patrick Williams ever will be at this point, sign me up. I will happily take Harrison Barnes and have a team that could be primed to take a team like Brooklyn or Milwaukee deep into a, a playoff series. Yes, yes, absolutely. I think Barnes, um, at least this season, the way that he's playing is what you hope that Patrick Williams can one day become. And like I said, I'm not out on Patrick Williams, but, um, you know, obviously there have been a lot of things against him. He didn't have a training camp his his rookie year, um, you know, had it had an injury setback, a couple injury setbacks um, this season. Obviously, with the the wrist um, injury, is going to keep him out the rest of the season. But and more than that, there's just uh, this guy has so much talent. He has the tools, but there's just something I feel like in terms of that fire uh, to kind of want to go out there. Like I guess maybe the dog mentality. Um, mm-hmm. that I just don't quite see from him. And it's not fair to, com- to compare him to Scotty Barnes, but I feel like it's, 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 it's easy to do so because of the, obviously the ties to Florida State, um, the, the position they were drafted in, um, kind of their body types. 
and you just you see Barnes and the way that he plays and the aggression, or even if you want to take it to one of Williams' teammates and Ayo Desumu and the way that he comes on the floor, the way that he plays, the way that he's kind of fearless about um, his movement, his movements and what he wants to do on the court. And it's just something that just isn't quite there with Patrick Williams. I'm not saying it could never get to that point, but it does worry me a little bit when guys have to constantly tell them, like, man, if you're more aggressive, you could be this, you could do that. Like, you need to be able to to do these things. How, how good do you want to be? Well, this is what you need to be, or this is what you need to do to get there. Um, that that worries me a little bit. And I, I know uh, Laryl Gordon, uh, I'm sorry, um, from um, Bulls 101, Laryl, I know he, he would probably kill me, but like you said, I'm willing to get back a known commodity and and kind of pass off Williams um, for not knowing what he may or may not be. You know, there's a difference, I think, when you add a guy like that to a core that includes Zach Levine, Lonzo Ball, DeMar DeRozan, Nikola Vucevic, Alec Caruso, um, Kobe White. You're adding him into a mix where I feel like in like the Garpax era, that would have been your signature move is getting Harrison Barnes and saying, okay, you're our number one or number two. This is a much different scenario where you're adding a guy like this to try and go for Eastern Conference or even championship contention at that point. I mean, look, people might remember Harrison Barnes from the 2016 Golden State Warriors run where he sort of froze up in the finals. That was a very young Harrison Barnes. If you've been paying attention to him later in his career in Dallas and now in Sacramento, he's a much more polished product than he was back then. And, you know, you add him to the mix with a de-escalating contract. And, oh, by the way, you have a front office that if things don't necessarily pan out, I don't think they're going to sit on their hands and wait. They'll keep the line moving. It's a much different scenario, and I hope Bulls fans that, again, might think of the old Harrison Barnes from early in his career with Golden State, he's a much more polished product. And um, if you haven't been watching some some of the games in Sacramento, I know they're not a great team, but you do see that he has really become a much more, I think, you know, aggressive scorer, much more efficient, and you know, somebody that I do think with this Bulls team would be a perfect fit. Yeah, and I, th- I think he allows you to, you know, in, in small ball lineups, uh, he allows you to to put him at the five, you know, for for stretches mm-hmm. of, of games depending on the matchups, which I think is huge. That versatility is so important um not only during the regular season but but in the playoffs and i I think he just he'll he'll unlock another another um dimension for this team in a big way uh another thing i wanted to talk about before we wrap up is just this next stretch for the chicago bulls so as you mentioned they have two games in the big apple one against the knicks at madison square garden and then they get a day off before they play the nets in brooklyn so there's two marquee matchups on the schedule what are you expecting from these next couple of games against uh, two top teams in the Eastern Conference? Um, I'm expecting some tough matchups. New York just made the change, and I guess they decided to take uh, Kimball Walker totally out of the rotation and having Burke started point guard for them. Um, so that matchup worries me a little bit first time in the Garden this year. Um, in terms of the Brooklyn matchup, Joe Harris, I guess, is, is out for a little while now. So the Bulls get a little bit of um, breathing room with that team, or as much as you can get, uh, still having to face off against Kevin Durant and James Harden. But um, I'm looking 
for them to to come back home against Denver on Monday, having gotten a, a split um, out of those two games, I think uh, they would do very well for themselves if they can get out of there one and one. Yeah, and then, you know, you mentioned the Nuggets matchup. It, the one nice thing, it is interesting that the schedule makers kind of helped the Bulls out a little bit here, that after a lot of games with some back-to-backs thrown in and uh, yeah. like a, lot of, a lot of games jumbled together, you at least get a one-day break in New York, and then you get to come back, rest up Monday, or rest up Sunday, you get a game Monday, day off, game Wednesday against the Cavs, and then Saturday, December 11th, you get Miami on the road. So you get some time to rest. Absolutely. That's that's a good point. Um, I feel like the, the schedule makers owed it to the, the Bulls to um, kind of give them a little bit of a, a little bit of a, a, a break in terms of the amount of games they were playing um, in a certain amount of days, given what they, they just went through. Looking forward to seeing what comes of this, this next stretch of games. And um, I think them having those days off, uh, the practice time as well, like you alluded to earlier, Vucevic is getting used to kind of being the, the third fiddle in the offense, something that he's never had to do before. We're still trying to get Kobe White going. Um, that's kind of the next, <laughs> the next, um, the next uh, part of the team that needs needs repairs is to kind of get him um, finding his groove and and him getting more consistent. Um, so it's it's there's still some things, some kinks to work out. Um, but I, I don't think we can be too disappointed in what we've seen these first what 22 games. And actually, last thing before I spring you loose here. What are you looking at big picture? I mean, we talked a little bit about where we think the Bulls might finish, but what do you think the ceiling really is for this team? Even if they don't make a major addition like we were talking about with Harrison Barnes, but maybe they make some supplementary moves to add shooting or some depth at the four. What do you think the ceiling could be for this team? Man, um, like you said, it would depend on the type of moves that they make, but I think I'm, I think I'm, in my head, I'm moving that ceiling that I initially set at the fourth seed to maybe possibly the third seed. Um, come the end of the season, I still think the Bucks are going to wind up on top of the East eventually. Um, and like you you said earlier, there's Eastern Conference is just <laughs> it's 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 crazy how close every team is together. I think there's a three and a half game difference between the first place Nets and the tenth place Hawks. So. Um, some of that should start to spread out as the season goes on. But I think that the Bulls have um, kind of bolstered everybody's expectations on what they can do this season. And if um, Acme and um, if, if they can make some moves, they can make the right moves, find the right guys to, to plug into the equation that, they are, that they've already got here. This might you know, turn into a, a Eastern Conference uh, finals contender. Yeah, I mean, it's like we saw last year. You make the right moves or you have the right chemistry. You can make a run. We saw it with the Phoenix Suns. We saw it with the Atlanta Hawks. It's very possible that you can make these types of runs nowadays. So I know I'm looking forward to the rest of the season and seeing how this team continues to gel. Drew? I really appreciate you coming on and keep up the great work over at War Media. And you're also with ONTAP Sportsnet now? 
Yes, yes, yes. I've been contributing there as well. Thank you. I appreciate that, Matt. Awesome. Well, we'll have you on soon. Thank you again. All right. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Rebuildable Podcast. Be sure to check us out and subscribe on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever else you stream your podcasts.